Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp, coming at you on this Sunday evening with an emergency episode of the podcast. We have major news out of Florida. I just got off the interstate off a seven-hour drive to go visit some family in South Carolina. Haven't eaten, so I do apologize if this episode is a little bit raw, a little bit rambly, uh, maybe goes in some different directions. But Florida basketball coach Mike White is headed to Georgia. This has been officially confirmed by several different outlets now. Mike White, as you well know, was in his seventh season at Florida. The Gators had sort of stagnated. He was obviously going to always have a tough task replacing Billy Donovan as Florida's head coach. Um, But I think a lot of Florida fans, or at least a very vocal segment of fans, felt the program was not really going anywhere under his tenure. Florida, with the loss to Texas A&M in the opening round of the SEC tournament, Not going to make the NCAA tournament in all probability this year. I think the writing was on the wall there. And quite frankly, it just felt like the program wasn't really going anywhere. It was spinning its wheels. And I know that in recent days, there had been a lot of chatter about, well, what happens if the Ole Miss job opens up? Mike White obviously played at Ole Miss, has a lot of ties there. The thought was maybe Mike White could leave on his own for that Ole Miss job. Turns out he's actually going to go to one of Florida's biggest rivals. Maybe not so much in hoops, but obviously Florida and Georgia, two schools that really don't get along. So this is going to create a lot of interesting dynamics going forward. And I think there's a lot to unpack when we talk about this Mike White situation. We talk about Florida basketball, where it is as a program, where it could head, whether or not, you know, the Billy Donovan tenure was kind of a one-off blip or whether or not... um, Mike White just wasn't the guy to maintain the program's elevated status that Billy Donovan had brought it to. So I'm going to try to unpack all this a little bit piece by piece. But as I said, uh, I'm getting off a a seven-hour road trip, uh, haven't eaten or anything. So I do apologize if this is a little bit scattershot. I want to take you through a couple things. First, I think the biggest factor here was sort of what we've seen develop even with the football team over the last couple of years, you've seen sort of a a scene change in coaching circles and how quickly these things tend to manifest or come about. You know, I think when we see what happened to Jim McElwain, you know, with the the death threats at Florida and and all of a sudden, you know, after back-to-back years playing in the SEC title game, in his third season, things abruptly end. Dan Mullen, goes to the SEC championship game, comes within six points of Alabama. By the end of the next season, he's gone, fired. So we're in a very different dynamic. And I think part of that is social media has really changed the game. And fans have a much bigger voice now than they probably have in the past, right? I think that was part of the dynamic here. I'm not going to say that social media is the reason that this thing changed. I think there's a lot of truth and validity to the idea that Mike White at least had not maintained the level that Billy Donovan 
had sort of established at Florida. And now, was it realistic to ever expect anybody to do that? Maybe not. We'll have that discussion, and I'm sure that's something we'll continue to discuss really over the next several years as Florida hires its next coach, as Mike White takes over at Georgia and, and tries to turn around a program there that maybe has some potential, but certainly hasn't been realized in the recent past. So a lot to unpack, but I think the reason that Mike White is leaving is seven years into his tenure, a lot of Florida fans felt like the wheels were stuck in the mud, that the program wasn't really improving. And say what you will about the validity of social media movements, uh, whether or not that's a good, healthy thing for, you know, not just society at large, but particularly college athletics programs. Um, you know, you, you don't, I don't think you necessarily want fans purely calling the shots, right? But you need to be in touch with your fan base. And I think Mike White and probably his family, his young children, got to the place where they realized, you know, like, like a lot of probably Americans have in their, in their jobs, for whatever reason, this hasn't quite worked out. I think a fresh start would be better elsewhere. And I think the decision to do that on his own terms is going to end up, at least in the short term, being a very good thing for both parties, for both Mike White and for Florida. Now, how it plays out down the road will obviously change how we think about this looking back on it. But very much, I think this was a family-driven decision from from what I know of Mike White's sort of position from talking to people within the Florida basketball program, from some of the reporting that went on about potential interest in the Ole Miss job in the event that uh, Kermit Davis was fired. Uh, so a lot going on, but the bottom line is I think Mike White wanted a fresh start. For Florida, that could not have worked out better. And the reason for that is Florida just signed Mike White to an extension last summer. Uh, his contract was going to run through the 26-27 season. So we were talking about he was under contract for five more years with a buyout, if Florida were to fire him, of $1.75 million per year remaining on the deal. So if Florida wanted to part ways with Mike White after the Gators missed the NCAA tournament this year, they would have had to cough up $8.75 million. So Mike White making this decision probably makes Scott Strickland, in some ways, the happiest guy on the planet right now. Now, I do think Scott Strickland wasn't fully in the camp that the fans were. Now, I, I think it was, I, I would venture to guess that because of who Mike White is as a person, and what we'll get into as far as what he's done at Florida, as far as track record, there's, this is not nearly as clear-cut of a case as where the football program was going with Jim McElwain in year three where, in my opinion, the football program was going with Dan Mullen in year four, given the recruiting concerns. Some of those concerns exist with basketball, but I think there's also a case to be made that in terms of the floor that Mike White has sort of established at Florida, you can make a case that what he's done in these seven years is, is hard to do, right? It's, it, there is a level of consistency in getting to the NCAA tournament, and I would say in even winning games in the NCAA tournament, that I don't know that Florida fans should necessarily expect to be replicated going forward. Having said that, I will go back to my thoughts on Mike White, really from, stemming from probably the first three years in his tenure, where I started to form a bigger picture opinion of him as a basketball coach. And then really, the, the last four years, I would say, have sort of reaffirmed and reestablished where I was at with Mike White. Um, I'm sort of in between arguments I think I'm I'm not nearly as I wasn't nearly as 
anti-Mike White as the fans, but I'm also on the side from the media standpoint where I think I was a bit more, this probably isn't going to work out than a lot of other folks in the media. So that's kind of where I was. And the main thing that I kept pointing to going back at least two years, and I think really three years, Mike White, for all the good he did getting Florida into the tournament and sort of setting up that floor at a decent level, the ceiling was really never there. And what I look at, and you know, I, I know that Chris Harry, who's the, the a guy that is around the basketball team probably more than anybody because of the access that he has as the reporter working in-house for Florida, um, a lot of the arguments in favor of Mike White have sort of been based on that NCAA tournament success. The fact that he, you know, prior to this year had gotten them there the previous four years, had that Elite Eight run the first time he made it, and then even each of the subsequent three times has at least won a game in the tournament. And that is hard to do. Whether or not fans will agree with me on that, I, I will go ahead and say I believe that is hard to do because the NCAA tournament, in a lot of ways, is a crapshoot. I mean, anything can happen in a single game. A guard gets hot. Um, you get a bad matchup. Uh, you, you have an injury just before. Like, there's so many different things that can happen that I hate to use a one-game sample size in a given season um, meaning win your first round game and, and point to, you know, Mike White's success in getting wins in the NCAA tournament as sort of the defining metric. I hate that. What I have said for the last two to three years at minimum is I think the most consistent sample set that you can look at is how competitive you are in the SEC, right? And even Billy Donovan didn't win the SEC every year. He didn't necessarily come in the top three in the SEC every year, and that's okay. But Billy Donovan also got to the place where you could expect Florida at least every second, third, fourth year to be in the hunt for the SEC title by year's end. Mike White has not done that for the last four years at Florida. Florida finished second in the year they went to the Elite Eight in year two. They finished third, uh, his third season. But then really, by and large, Florida has been sort of out of the SEC title race by mid-February at, at best. And sometimes well before that, like you knew late in January that Florida wasn't really going to be in the SEC title hunt. To me, that's a problem because that's the biggest set of consistent year-to-year uh, -year things that you can judge him on. And that was sort of why I came out on the side of I think Florida probably can do better or needs at least change, right? Sometimes change because you've stagnated is a good change. And change for the sake of change isn't always good change, but I thought Florida had gotten there, and that's where I was kind of on the more um, Mike White isn't going to work out at Florida stance. But I'm not going to say that I ever advocated for Florida firing Mike White. I wasn't there yet, right? And part of that was the $8.75 million buyout. I thought the extension last summer was really, really dumb. And I'll, I'll again, I think Scott Strickland's got to be the happiest guy on the planet in some sense. I think he liked Mike White as a person a lot. Um, had hoped maybe that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are pushing back against sort of what I've sensed from college administrators, from college football coaches, is the game has changed in the sense that because movements with social media and, and how society at large communicates now, things happen much quicker. Uh, it's much harder to sort of change the narrative once the narrative is established. And right or wrong, however, whatever percentage of the fan base that that vocal anti-Mike White crowd was, I have no idea whether it was 50%, 60%, 70%. It could have been 10%. I don't think it was that low, honestly. Um, but whatever the percentage was, at a certain point, like happened with Jim McElwain in football and, and, and Dan Mullen in football, 
it becomes toxic to the point of it becomes almost hard to overcome. And I think college coaches and college administrators are trying to grapple what's the right level of pushback against sort of, hey, I don't want to use the term mob mentality because I don't think that's exactly what it is either. But this unified movement of a large segment of the fan base, what's the right level of pushback? And for me, the Florida basketball situation with Mike White is very different than those two football situations I referenced because I think there are somewhat legitimate cases to be made on both sides of the fence. But here's the bottom line. Florida no longer has to pay Mike White $8.75 million to walk away. Florida gets the chance to hire another coach before it continues to stagnate for another year, two years. Who knows how long it might have taken Scott Strickland to either pull the trigger or for Mike White to finally have sort of that breakthrough season where Florida does compete for an SEC title. Florida does make another deep run into the NCAA tournament. Florida's no longer in limbo, and that is a fantastic thing. So Scott Strickland avoids a tough decision. Mike White makes a, a, for me, I I love when people take charge of their situation. Um, If Mike White wasn't happy at Florida, good on him for finding something else. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out over the next several years because he's not going to Ole Miss where you play him, you know, once a year and then off years where you get him twice on the schedule, you see him twice. You're, You're playing Georgia. You're playing him twice every year. And if Mike White does have a lot of success there, there's going to be a lot of second guessing of, you know, there will be, I guarantee you there will be people within the Florida administration, people that maybe cover the team that use that as a sort of, see, told you so against the anti Mike White crowd, if you will. And I'm probably not using great terms. I don't, I don't know that anti Mike White crowd is the right way to say it. I think pro Florida basketball crowd that believed Mike White wasn't the best thing for Florida basketball to be good again, or, on the level that they expect. Um, But there's going to be some sniping back and forth if Mike White goes to Georgia and is very successful. Period. It's going to happen. And there's going to be some, I told you so, but it creates a really interesting dynamic. I think looking beyond the potential storylines going forward, the bottom line is Florida gets a chance to start fresh. I don't think that the reputational damage from Florida sort of disappearing from the national stage at least to the degree that Billy Donovan had Florida there. I don't think that damage is permanent. I think with the right coach, with the right hire, you can bring in somebody that can get Florida back uh, sort of in that conversation. I do want to talk about uh, where I think the Mike White tenure sort of went wrong for me. And I've mentioned this a couple times on the podcast. I think one of the things that was tough and and why so many people within the building at Florida that have had a chance to be around Mike White were so pro-Mike White and sort of thinking maybe a good segment of the fan base had it wrong when it comes to Mike White is twofold. One, Mike White is a a very, very nice guy. Um, One of the nicest guys you can meet. Uh, Pleasure of a coach to cover. Um, I personally think I've never let that really cloud my judgment of whether or not he's the right long-term fit for Florida. But that matters to a lot of people that are in the media and they're less likely to be critical. I mean, that's just, that's human nature, right? The better you're treated, the less likely you are to be critical of someone, period. Um, So that was part of it. I think Mike White, the way he went about everything in the building, a guy of high character integrity, I will vouch for him on that from what I've seen, from my interactions with him. um, Very swell guy, similar to Will Muschamp in that respect. Very, very well-liked within the building. And the other side is I think you can point to certain metrics where you could say he's actually done a pretty good job. I don't think those are the right metrics. And I think Florida from within the building sort of got to the place of justifying 
around those those metrics like they kind of it's cherry picking stats and it happens both ways like the anti mike white crowd does the same thing um but for me the fundamental issue with mike white from the start is there was no clear identity at florida like like if if i ask you right now if i ask each of the listeners or viewers of this podcast what was the identity of florida basketball under mike white i'm not sure what anybody would like like what would the pro mike white crowd say they do things the right way. I mean, I, I mean, I give you credit. I mean, I think that's a fair argument. I don't know where that gets you in terms of trying to win championships. Um, the any Mike White crowd, I think the identity they would say was inconsistent basketball, no clear identity, and the lack of an identity can be an identity in its own way, right? For me, and I, one of the things I loved about when Mike White first took over at Florida he brought in the media in a, a closed-door setting. Wasn't, we weren't able to report on it. Um, but he sort of did a coach's clinic for the media and sort of showed us, you know, here's what they're doing in film sessions. Uh, here's, you know, exactly all the things they would coach guys up on on film, this and that and the other. And it gave you a sense that I do think Mike White is a very good X's and O's coach. I think he's very adaptable. I think the problem for me has always been that that struggles to translate to college-level players. And I don't think Mike White ever recruited necessarily to a set identity. And I will always go back to look at the difference in point guard play over that seven-year span that Mike White was in charge. You have Chris Chioza, where he had his, his most high-level success, was a guy that could run the floor, create steals, get out in transition, uh, excellent distributor. And Florida, for the most part, that year, pretty much, you know, they they... The identity coming out of Louisiana Tech when Mike White was hired was sort of, we're going to run the floor. We're going to run 40 minutes. We're going to press. We're going to trap. All that stuff. Florida never did that consistently. And then you switch to Andrew Nemhard for those two years, and the entire pace changed. You bring in Kerry Blackshear. He's a guy that has a, a really good half-court game, very polished, but not good at running the floor. Like So Mike White, the reason he was able to get, in my opinion, that baseline of success to raise the floor where the NCAA tournament was rarely in question. Obviously, this year, Florida missed. Um, but the reason it was rarely in question, even if Florida was a bubble team, was because he's adaptable around the parts that he has. My problem was he never recruited to a set identity. And so what happens is when you're adaptable within a season, that's great. And that's the best way to maximize things that pop up within the year. You know, so a John Egbunu gets injured, you, you can work around that. You can find a way to adjust your lineup, still make it to the Elite Eight. Um, but the deeper and deeper into a tenure you get when you're doing that every year and you're not necessarily shifting your recruiting identity to, okay, this is what we need to be. This is what the prop, like, you know, our inconsistency is tied to the lack of identity. If you're not, if you're not realizing that's part of the problem, then what happens is you end up with a situation like this year where Florida's top seven players were transfers from other programs. And now that's also something that's systemic in college basketball right now. That's, that's happening, not just at Florida, but you have not had under Mike White sort of this set system, this set identity, whatever you want to call it from start to finish, where you have a couple veterans that, you know, even if they don't necessarily get it as freshmen or sophomores, where they're starting to make what I like to call that Casey Prather jump, where you know, Casey Prather wasn't great his first couple of years and then all of a sudden turns into one of the best guys in the country as a senior because he's had time to get it. But not only what you get out of that is the development from the Casey Prather, but you also get 
your seniors that are around, even if it's only one or two or three each year, a couple juniors here and there, you get them teaching your identity and your system to the younger guys that are coming in or the transfers that are coming in. And it's a very cohesive push, you know, sort of unidirectionally. Whereas with Mike White, when you're bringing in different guys and you're sort of, I like to, I like to consider his recruiting sort of best player available strategy. Like if you, if you liken it to like the NFL draft, Mike White was always like, to me, recruiting the best player available rather than the best fit, right? Or the best team need. And that's kind of how I've conceptualized it. And the problem that arises there is, you know, your team identity can change drastically from one year to the next. And when you're doing that, a lot of times you don't find out until midway through the season that maybe the way you envisioned it in, you know, summer workouts, in the fall practices leading into the season doesn't pan out on the floor in games the way you thought it was going to, and now you're having to pivot in January. And by the time you figure yourself out, you haven't had enough time to develop consistency. And, and to me, that was the fundamental issue under Mike White. And I didn't see clear signs that that was changing. And so for me, that's where I leaned on the side of the fence that Florida would be best served to either A, move on from Mike White or have Mike White move on from Florida. This to me is the best case outcome because it doesn't involve any financial burden to Florida. Uh, from a narrative standpoint, it's fascinating for us media guys. Um, it's something that we're going to be talking about for years to come with Mike White now going head-to-head -head against Florida twice a year in uh, a situation where, you know, hindsight is not ultimately going to do anything for the Florida basketball program, but it creates interesting discussion. And it's going to be really, really interesting to watch this all unfold. But bottom line, man, Mike White going to Georgia, there were – it seemed there was momentum heading in the direction of maybe a mutual split. I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't really get the sense that Florida was ready to move on after this season, particularly given the buyout, but now the Gators don't have to worry about that. And we will certainly do a future episode of the podcast talking about where the future of the Florida basketball program needs to go, where it should go, uh, the bigger picture of can Florida reestablish what Billy Donovan built and bring back that basketball culture. Can, can the Odom become the house of horrors again. Can you get the rowdies back into sort of that, that mindset? I don't even know if that's fair to the rowdies, but can you get that building packed and, you know, ferocious the way that it was under Billy Donovan? Can you have Florida be a team that, you know, may not be competing for the SEC title every year because that's simply unrealistic, but can they more often than not be in the hunt late in the year to where Florida basketball feels relevant again? Can we get to the point where Florida is capable of making a deep tournament run without needing a hero shot from a hero player that Mike White didn't recruit, right? That's essentially what Florida fans and the guys that were ready in the fan base to move on from Mike White want. And I think having expectations, I don't think anybody should ever apologize for having high expectations. I think the demand from fans to meet those high expectations can sometimes get out of whack, but it is absolutely pivotal to have your customer base, to have the fan base pushing in that direction and demanding accountability in that form. And I think hindsight will tell us whether or not, you know, this ends up being a, a good thing or a bad thing for Florida long term. Uh, but in the short term, it alleviates a lot of potential headaches and I think is going to be a fresh start for Florida basketball in a way that has a chance to be very, very positive. So in closing, guys, I'm going to leave it there. I actually went longer than I thought, again, for being pretty unscripted. I will say on a personal note, 
I'm happy for Mike White. I'm glad that he made this decision on his own and is doing something that he feels is right for his family. I think it's best for both parties that way. And I'm also happy for the Florida fans that I don't think we're wrong in thinking Mike White kind of had a stagnant program at Florida that had no clear signs of getting better. I'm happy for those fans too. Um, I hope that going forward, you know, the, the element of whether it's administration or the element of the fan base that was very pro Mike White, I hope that Florida fans can get to a place where it doesn't become an us against them thing. I don't think that's ever really all that productive. I hope there's not finger pointing if Mike White is successful at Georgia um, as far as, well, we told you so. I, I think that is so unproductive. Um, but I'm happy for a lot of parties here. Mike White, Scott Strickland among them, and certainly the Florida fan base. I think this is going to be uh, a really positive move, at least in the short term for a lot of people. So I'll end it there, guys. I actually had planned to shoot a podcast episode tomorrow talking about um, really some, some spring football superlatives that I'm looking for. I will probably still do that and post that. Um, but I wanted to get this emergency episode of the podcast up right away uh, because this is obviously major news. And uh, I just wanted to share my thoughts on, on how this whole thing broke this way, what it means for Florida, and sort of where I stand. Because, you know, I think, I think a lot of the fans were right in being vocal. And I think the fact that Florida didn't get into a place where, you know, this extended another two years and you still didn't have a clear answer and apathy starts to set in, I think the timing was good for this. So that'll do it for today's episode of the podcast, guys. Appreciate you tuning in for this emergency episode. If you liked the video, hit like, subscribe, share it with your friends, let them know. And we'll be back real soon, I'm sure, breaking down a list of potential candidates for this now open Florida basketball job. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.